Wolf podcast for Canadian Spurs fans by Canadian Spurs fans. Welcome back. We're in uh, episode three now. My God, it's uh, it's like we're running forever of the True North podcast. And uh, thanks again for listening. Tell everybody you know that we're here. It's uh, by Spurs fans in Canada for Spurs fans in Canada. So uh, great to have you back. Uh, today we have uh, a guest, uh, uh, Jadeep Kanango, who's the main point of contact, is the politically correct way of saying it, for a fledgling group trying to start off an official supporters club in Victoria, British Columbia. And uh, we'll be uh, talking to uh, Jadeep at great length and um, hope we get a lot out of him. So Jadeep, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Bill. I listened to uh, the first uh, first episode. It was great to hear some Canadian voices um, talking about the club that we all love. Fantastic. And we'll get more into what you're doing in Victoria in a bit. But obviously, with tradition, with not only our show, but many, it's, uh, it's the stirring question. Why are you a Spurs fan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I grew up, uh, I was born and raised in Edmonton. And uh, I think for me, growing up, uh, you know, my dad was, uh, you know, a soccer fan. wasn't didn't have any allegiances to any particular club. So I sort of got introduced to the sport through watching World Cups. Uh, so the World Cup in '94 was really the first exposure to football. Um, but for me, club football really wasn't uh, a passion really until just after Euro 2000. And I have to admit that in the first few years that I've watched club football I sort of had an affinity for Man United and I think that was partly because you know I was a David Beckham fan I really liked those English England teams uh, uh, in the early 2000s Uh Um, but then you know I I think like as um, as I sort of grew up you sort of realized like there's just just no fun in cheering for a team uh, like Man United I kind of felt that um, there was a bit of an a bit of an arrogance to to that club um, that They'd always uh, have sort of the benefit of some officiating decisions. Uh, a lot of their fans were a bit on the smug side. Uh, and I remember, you know, that there was that match in um, 2005, uh, early 2005, where Pedro Mendes uh, for Spurs oh my had God, that yeah. shot from halfway. And uh, I remember watching that and, uh, you know, he shot it from the halfway line and it clearly went over the line. I think even the most ardent Man United fans would agree with that. But it was Roy Carroll and goal for Man United. Yeah. And he dragged the ball over the line and sort of cheekily looked over at the at the camera. He knew he knew that it had crossed the line. But I guess in those days there was no VAR. Um, so they got away with that one. But I remember particularly after that feeling a bit aggrieved like there was no justice because um i think that was really late in the match like 88th 89th minute and uh yeah i just just kind of turned on you know i just could not get myself to cheering for man united uh but you know i think for me really what turned me into spurs was um in 2006 uh, my my dad and i we went to um visit some really close family friends in north london and they uh you know, they lived on just off Seven Sisters Road. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, that area is actually really multicultural. So it was kind of, you know, it felt more multicultural and kind of more, you know, my my uh, my dad's from Bangladesh, my mom's from India. So that was kind of felt kind of more like uh, a place that I could relate with. And uh, I remember going out uh, with some of our family friends to watch the uh, West Ham Liverpool uh, FA Cup final that year. And they were just teaching me about Spurs, teaching me about the history. I remember leaving with, uh, one of them gave me a um, one of those Corinthian 
uh, dolls of uh, or, or figures of Germain Defoe. Um, and I, you know, I just kind of felt their enthusiasm and sort of felt their love for the, for the team and the sport. And I think that subsequent season, I just sort of fell into Spurs. I remember, um, you know, really immersing myself in FIFA uh, career mode and playing with uh, with those Spurs teams, uh, kind of getting players like Aaron Lennon or Abdel Tarap to be world beaters. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then I think for me it was like Dimitar Berbatov. Like that, I think that first year that I really followed it, uh, Spurs closely was Berbatov was just one of the talismanic players, and uh, you know I think it was in his second year that he led the team uh, through that League Cup run, and I remember watching that League Cup final and. Yeah, I just felt so proud just to sort of see Ledley lift that trophy. And, you know, I just knew at that time that I was sort of full on Spurs. And really, ever since then, it's been, uh, it's just been a constant obsession just day after day. It's uh, the club that I follow that I feel, uh, you know, complete passion for. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. Fantastic. I can hear it in your voice. And, you know, I can. It, it's funny when you, you get close. Did you ever get a chance to go to the lane while you were over there for a Spurs game? Yeah, so, so I have. So I've uh, gone to England uh, a few times uh, really since then. So I think um, for me, I've been to the lane uh, twice proper to watch a match. So first time was a League Cup match in uh, 2014. Uh, so I saw Spurs against Brighton Hove Albion. And uh, I think it was 2014-15. So that was really the year that Harry Kane uh, really broke out. Mm -hmm. And so I think he ended up scoring in that match and Spurs won that and moved on to the next round. And then um, I was actually lucky that uh, in 2016, um, that was the last year of the lane, uh, I went to see Leicester v Spurs uh, at the lane. And uh, I think in that match, Vincent Janssen scored on a penalty and we ended up drawing that match. But um, it, that was kind of a surreal experience knowing that this was the final year of the lane. And uh, it was really cool, actually. There was um, a few supporters there from Spurs, um, Spurs supporters in Ottawa that I sort of met at the hostel I was staying at uh, <laughs> uh, the day before. And I, I think um, Eric, one of the guys at uh, Vancouver Spurs was there. Yeah, Eric yeah. gets around. Eric gets yeah. around. Uh, yeah, it's, so, uh, I have a story about that for a little later if we have time. Uh, okay. Well, I remember uh, actually met him there, and uh, I follow him on Twitter now. So it's uh, it's kind of interesting that uh, how small of a world it can be sometimes. Uh, but it, it's interesting because that same week, uh, Spurs played at Wembley in the Champions League against Leverkusen, mm -hmm. and uh, I went to both matches. And uh, you know, you could sort of tell like the the atmosphere at Wembley was completely different like it was I mean there was a lot of people at Wembley I think you know over 80,000 uh, fans if I remember but it was uh, it was a really cold night and you just sort of felt so far from the pitch and um, I think the way the club played that day wasn't very inspiring so I think a lot of the fans were just kind of trying to stay warm and uh, you know it was totally night and day between uh, that match at White Hart Lane on the Saturday and the Champions League match uh, midweek is totally different environment. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite glad they're back, uh, you know, back where they should be. I'm looking forward to getting back out to the to the new stadium. Yeah, it should be interesting because I think, you know, we had the uh, uh, under the old Spurs Canada, we had the um, away day scarves and we had the whole year mm -hmm. away. And I, I had the same thing. I did a, a game I think it was one of the first games of the season a few years ago, the last game um, 
season where we were at uh, Wembley and we played Fulham. And it was the first time Harry Kane had scored in August. Oh, and, yeah. uh, but I also did the last two games, not the last two games, I didn't go to the f- uh, finale, but the I think like the third and fourth penultimate games at the lane. Uh, two 4-0 wins, it was great. Bournemouth and Watford, two 4-0 wins. We even saw Harry Kane break uh, Jack Wilshere's foot again, uh, <laughs> which is quite interesting. And there's pictures of me, the stills of me grinning in the background. I was in the Paxton Lower, and you could see that through the background. There's a big, my big grin, grin as he's being carried off. Oh, um, man. But I agree with you. I think it's interesting that, you know, maybe the Spurs team, I know most a lot of them have played at Wembley. They're, they're maybe a bit more used to playing in strange surroundings. So hopefully the empty stadiums may have less effect, but we, we can come back to that anyway. So that's great. So if you have one, you know, if you had to pick your one favorite memory, what would it be? You know, that's, that's a good question because uh, I think during this break, we've been kind of reliving a little bit uh, of the Champions League run last year. So, I mean, obviously the... The Lucas Mora hat trick, uh, you know, the the two legs against Man City were obviously memorable. Um, you know, I I don't want to get too nostalgic about that because I'm sure a lot of people will have mentioned that. But I think for me, really, was um, the night we made the Champions League actually in 2010, um, and that was uh, when we played City. Um, that was late in the season. I think the second last match. Yeah in 2010 and um i was actually living in toronto at the time so i went to uh, scallywags which was the pub for uh, uh spurs toronto um at the time and uh i just remember that day it sort of felt uh kind of like a world cup final in terms of kind of the stress and oh yeah um, anxiety around that yeah um and you know it was it's funny like having a match like that for fourth place um, at the time, it, it sounds so kind of silly in retrospect, but, you know, at that time, Spurs playing in the Champions League was such a novel concept. It was foreign, really, um, to see Tottenham playing at, on the biggest European stage. And so I just remember, you know, that whole match just sort of sitting on pins. And then when Peter Crouch scored, it was like um, all this pent up, <laughs> pent up, uh, ecstasy just sort of came out you know uh, just uh it's just unreal and I I think even yeah and then even just uh because I think that sort of came the 80th uh, 81st minute or something like that so we still had about 10 minutes left and um yeah that was really anxiety provoking because I think both of us both, both squads were neck and neck uh, if I recall and uh, really the winner of that match was going to likely qualify for the Champions League. So yeah, uh, it really did feel like a big stakes type of match. Um, and so that was the one memory I remember outside of this most recent uh, Champions League run that uh, that comes to mind. I think that exactly right. I think that, you know, that was one of those things where, you know, Spurs are very good to their fans that they never give them a comfortable win. They always make the excitement or the nervous <laughs> energy run to the last minute. And uh, it's rare that you can sit there at three, four nil up and go, oh, you know, we've, you know, we're, we're sailing here. And it's like, but I agree with you that that was that was one of those days where just all that nervous energy and, uh, you know, the, the Lucas Mora goal as well is similar. You know, I think I didn't, yeah. I didn't speak. I couldn't speak for three days afterwards. I was hoarse. I was screaming around. It was, it was crazy. So that, that's a that's a fantastic memory uh, to to well, share. Well, I I kind of find that at times Spurs kind of um, encapsulate my fears and anxieties. Like the way that they play is is very, you know, kind of they sometimes encapsulate your worst fears. And I think, you know, certainly uh, 
the the Ajax round last year, uh, just falling down early um, in that second leg, um, and then finding a way back, you know. And then um, even last year, and in, in the in the final, just you know, you're having butterflies kind of for weeks for how this match is going to turn out, and then conceding a penalty within the first uh, first 30 seconds. Uh, I just find Spurs. It's one of the maddening things about following Spurs, but I think it gives you that. Um, it gives you kind of like a vis- visceral kind of guttural type feeling um, <laughs> when you follow them because uh, it just, it can torture you. But sometimes when those highs happen, like that Lucas Moura moment or that Peter Crouch moment, or even Gareth Bale scoring that hat trick um, at the San Siro, uh, you know, it just brings you out of your chair like nothing else. I agree. And the funny thing is that uh, I'll throw in a little story here during that uh, second leg uh, against Amsterdam. Um, mm-hmm. We were in the um, the railway stage and beer cafe in Vancouver, and it was, I'd say, slightly over capacity is probably a nice way of putting it. <laughs> it was packed. And, and one of the members, uh, Miles, it was his birthday. And he came in uh, to watch the game, lunchtime game. And obviously we go 2-0 down and he's he leaves he's uh, i'm done he's just you know it's his birthday he wants to enjoy it he was so upset Uh, and but we score two goals and i'm guessing he's close enough he came back to the pub (laughs) and and was there for the third goal and the win Um, it was just you know talk about a roller coaster you know for all of us but you know it's your birthday all of the stuff is happening it was crazy that he actually left it and came back enough time to to see the the winning goal and and to, and to be involved in all the celebrations was was crazy. It was actually crazy. Oh yeah, that's one he won't forget. That's, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so so as we, as we move on, that's a nice kind of lead into kind of what's going on across Canada right now um, with viewing updates for the games coming up quickly. Now we're looking at the first game being um, on Friday the nineteenth for us. Obviously, with the season starting again for a few other teams on the seventeenth. Right now, uh, speaking to Toronto Spurs, and they've got no viewing right now. Their pub, Scotland Yard, is still under lockdown, and um, they're hoping for news in and around the first game, but still nothing yet. Similarly with Ottawa, uh, no news yet on them in regards to um, having viewing, and we'll try and get some updates of them as we get closer to the games. I know Vancouver uh, do have some plans uh, that are growing right now, which is going to be uh, a members only uh, by registration for all the COVID-19 uh, requirements. I don't have all the details on that right now. I'm sure if you go to their website or their social media, they'll be updating that on a regular basis. But I know that they actually have um, some plans. So um, hopefully the same thing for Ottawa and uh, Toronto in the same way. And then obviously how to get hold of us. You can look us up um, on the website. Well, the website that we're, that we're referencing to right now for everybody to find um, people, Spurs fans across Canada is SpursCanada.com. Um, it's just an umbrella website that we'll be putting information up about Victoria Spurs pretty soon. And also uh, on the Facebook groups, which is uh, Spurs in Canada, you can join us there. And there we link all the information across. And that's where I think JD was trying to find people from Victoria there as well. We're trying to help him. So um, let's, let's move on to... Um, discussing the start-up of the Premier League. So, you know, what's your general feelings here in regards to, you know, the, the league itself, the bringing everything back under the current circumstances? And, you know, um, how do you think we're going to do? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good question. Um, yeah, I have to admit I have very mixed feelings. I'm actually a physician, so I, uh, I um, feel a bit conflicted about football coming back and whether it's uh, – whether society is – 
ready for it. Um, I, I think certainly in the UK, um, you know, the way that the whole COVID-19 uh, strategy around and how it's been managed, uh, it, it hasn't been the most efficient uh, in Europe, that's for sure. Uh, right now, I think the UK has the second most uh, cases uh, in the world. They may have been passed by Brazil recently, but, and I think they've got the second most deaths in the world. So it's not a similar situation to a country like Germany. Um, so I think that's going to be something that uh, makes me a little bit nervous because, um, you know, I just hope that uh, the league authorities and, and the medical staff are, you know, uh, taking every precaution that they can because uh, it could be a potentially messy situation because I don't think the situation um, in the UK is anything like how it is in other countries in Europe that have sort of opened up their leagues. Um, although we are seeing leagues open up uh, by the day, certainly the Spanish league opened up uh, today. Um, and I think the Italian league is going to open up uh, this coming weekend as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of would put a lot of faith into the uh, authorities to make sure they're doing the right thing. Um, but, you know, you sort of heard my passion for football. So I'm, that's what makes me so conflicted. I want the Premier League back. I want Spurs back. We have nine matches left. I think we, you know, even though I, I, from a health perspective, I have certain opinions from a kind of footballing perspective. Uh, I need to have that football back. You know, I think um, even matches played in empty stadiums there's still uh still a lot of uh good things that can come out of it um so my partner and i have been watching a lot of the bundesliga matches that have uh, returned uh we've been we're big alfonso davies fans as well and um you know even in spite of the lack of a crowd at the stadium it's still been very exciting to watch uh watch the games and uh, we've been sort of just blown away by the, the technical ab abilities of Bayern Munich. And I think that's kind of my hope is that when, when the football comes back, we're just still going to talk about what's happening on the pitch rather than worrying too much about, uh, you know, uh, fans not being in the stands. Um, but it's, it's a tricky, uh, it's a tricky situation. And, uh, you know, like I say, I do feel conflicted, but at the end of the day, like that, that match day feeling when you wake up in the morning and, and have Spurs on. I mean, that, that can't be replicated. So that's what I'm looking yeah, forward I, to. Yeah, I, I hear you. And I think it's it's um, it's it's one of those scenarios where you've got to do that, that balance. And everybody's going to make their own personal choice as well if there are events happening across Canada, whether or not they um, – they turn up or not obviously for their for their own health and safety for the people around them and it's but it's the same thing i'm jonesing for to watch a game and, and yeah. i've watched a, a number of the um bundesliga games and i think they start off a little slowly i remember a couple of games where you know i think it's really how you start is really gonna push but i know that with the um bundesliga and a number of the other leagues you know it's quite top heavy you know and um but we're now starting to see with the with it balancing out you know some of the lower teams getting a bit of an advantage back because they they're not having to fight the the um if you say the away crowd or whatever mm -hmm. or they can actually play with a bit more balance and it's going to be interesting to see how it how it pans out i think you know we don't know until they hit the ground you know where how that how fit they are how i mean i think the only thing we've got i believe for as a fitness concern is Lacelso, 
right. and uh, I think he's the only player that's out there. And and it's going to be crazy because we're allowed five substitutes now. That was all confirmed recently, and in three batches, so you can't delay the game anymore. You can't do, you know, have double Fergie time. You know, in regards <laughs> to how much extra time you have. But out of nine named subs, so basically you're going to have, you know, effectively twenty people uh, players available uh, yeah. for the game. And uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see the squad depth and how things are working. So, and then we have obviously just announced today beautifully the uh, Delhi suspension for the May United game for his um, his little video that he put out in February. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it was when that video came out is obviously very dif- um, disappointing to hear Delhi Ali um, kind of in- engaged in that type of behavior. Uh, but, you know, he's spoken out about racism and um, I think especially in light of what's going on right now uh, with the George Floyd protests um, with Black Lives Matters, um, you know, it, it sort of is an unfortunate stain, I think, on everything that's that's happening. So, um, you know, I, th- I think um, I think Delhi sort of owned up to it. He's spoken what led to that uh, video being produced. And I think he's taking his punishment uh, as it comes. I think it's probably a justified punishment. There's probably people that will think it's not enough. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, it's unfortunate that, that that's happened. Um, I think I, one of the things I was sort of looking forward to in this restart was just to sort of see how uh, Delhi would be integrated into the team. I think that's been one of the talking points ever since Jose took over was how, how, is, how are they going to play Delhi? And I think when Kane was fit, when Sonny was fit, uh, we, we would have Delhi play as a number 10. And that was really his, uh, you know, most effective role. It looked like uh, certainly in the first few matches after Jose uh, took over. So uh, I think it's it's unfortunate we're going to miss him, especially in that big game against Man United. And I'll be yeah. sort of curious to see who's going to play in that number 10 position. I know it's interesting, and we'll come back to it a little bit later on when we talk about uh, predictions and formations and stuff. But uh, yeah, because I got a feeling and Dombele is going to have a big role. <laughs> but, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but obviously, you know, one of the reasons you're 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 with us and joining us is obviously uh, looking at uh, galvanizing a group of people in Victoria to to start an official supporters club. So, can you um, tell us a little bit more about that? How you know how how you're going, the process, and and what's happening? Have you found a pub yet? And are you finding people? And um, how things are going? Yeah. So we uh, we've um, taken advantage a little bit from the glow of the Champions League uh, run last year, where um, the local supporter groups in Canada uh, encouraged uh, the development of um, you know uh, fellow Spurs fans to to join up in other cities. And I think that was quite helpful for us last year to try and set up um, a group here in Victoria. So I think last year we used, um, uh, you know, through different social media, we've been able to identify a group of supporters that uh, that have formed up uh, a bit of a network. So there's five five of us right now. So if they're listening, um, you know, it's uh, Carrie, David, Josh, Glennis, they know who they are. Um, but yeah, we've we've uh, we've tried to um, get the word out through uh, our social media sites. So um, Twitter account is at uh, um, Victoria Spurs, and uh, we've got an email address as well, um, Victoria Spurs at gmail.com. Uh, so we've been trying to get the word out through um, the Twitter account at least to start. 
Um, there are a few followers that we have that we've seen are from Victoria as well. So we're just trying to get them engaged uh, and to sort of join in our cause. And, you know, I think it's sort of the challenging thing, of course, with uh, COVID is to try and corral people with all these uh, restrictions and uh, sort of the reality that we're having to deal with. So I'm not sure how uh, fruit will, fruitful will be. Um, for the rest of the season, but certainly we'd like to get a push um, at least for the next season. Um, so we're just trying to get our word out right now uh, through social media, trying to build up our um, base and then hopefully uh, target one of the few pubs that we've been um, uh, visiting uh, in Victoria uh, over this past season. So we've met together for about three or four matches uh, thus far. We've had a gathering of about five or six people um, at each of those events, so small crowds. Uh, but we found a few pubs that have been supportive of football supporters and they've put the match on for us with sound and they've encouraged us to make noise. And uh, we've gone to a couple different places. So uh, it, nothing official as of yet, but I, but hopefully with bigger numbers, we'll be able to form uh, a bigger partnership with those pubs. And, and I agree. It's, it's fantastic because I think it's I agree with you. The COVID restrictions right now are kind of um, kind of holding things back, but it's a great time to kind of build those relationships and uh, and get those things set up. Uh, I've seen again and a shout out across the country, you know, from coast to coast, it, you know, you'll be surprised. I think, uh, you know, we were talking before the show started about you're wandering around your city and you'll all of a sudden see people, you know, wearing a jersey or wearing a cap. And, you know, my wife, as I mentioned with Alan in the last show, is that we're at BC Place and she would hunt them down. And we yeah. had little, we had little cards printed off with our social media information on, just handed them a card. And I carried the bucket load in my wallet. My wife did. And we just, you know, you, you met somebody, you said, here's how to find us. And you'd be stunned. I was in a... Um, shopping malls recently before the shutdown and wearing my uh spurs shirt and a guy came up to me and said you know where do you meet and and so on no idea zero oh, idea <laughs> and and this is and this is you know uh, uh, another major city like vancouver so it's um it's crazy that uh, that's out there and, and i'm sure you'll find enough to create a group and i look forward yeah. to seeing it well, being announced uh, in the short term for sure i mean i think uh i think part of the reason that we've decided to really put ourselves out there as well this year is um, we've sort of seen Spurs supporters around town. I know there's a couple of Spurs supporters that own local businesses uh, here in town. Um, we've, you know, my, my partner and I, we've got season tickets to Pacific FC, uh, the Canadian uh, Premier League. And I think when we go to those matches, you certainly see um, Spurs caps or Harry Kane jerseys around. So I think uh, they walk amongst us. And I think having um, a bit of infrastructure set up uh, with the help of some of the other local supporters groups, um, hopefully we can gather up some of those uh, supporters and create a club. I, I think one of... Um, I think seeing what uh, Vancouver Spurs, seeing what Toronto Spurs have done uh, over the last uh, year has been impressive just in terms of creating a crowd, creating a community to watch matches, but not only that, um, participating in a lot of community events, um, participating in matches with other supporter groups, uh, participating in, um, you know, youth football programs. Um, I think that's really inspirational. And um, I think knowing that we all have the passion for the club, it sort of, um, you know, inspires you to want to do something similar for your community. And I think just seeing those efforts, um, kind of inspires us all and I, I really do hope that uh, we can get something like that set up in our city because I know there are 
lots of Spurs supporters around uh, that would probably want to participate in something like that as well. Exactly. And I, in, in, uh, across Canada, anybody listening to us sitting there going, well, you know, I'd love to, you know, sometimes it takes just just you, just that one person just put a call out. Uh, and it's amazing, you know, how many people um, will, will get involved very, very quickly and uh, will kind of galvanize or kind of around the flag, as it were. And uh, and as part of the terms and conditions of setting up a club, I mean, uh, as you mentioned, like 15 people are required to do so. But a lot of what Spurs want to do is very much based on, you know, run as a non-for-profit, you know, give back to the members, raise money for charity, support the community. It's very focused on that. And and rightly so. Uh, and, and you've seen, I think, uh, I mentioned in the first podcast where Toronto had a great article on the actual Spurs website talking about all their altruistic um pursuits uh supporting charity and, and gathering things together i know um i think vancouver and ottawa are doing similar and it's part of the mandate of what we do and i think it's uh it creates a really good vibe and yeah. um and it's it's great that we can have that stuff so whether you're in you know st john's Nova scotia or halifax or quebec city or anywhere just you know find a spot brand of manitoba Find a group of 10, 15 people who are Spurs fans. They are out there. It's just finding them. Yeah, I think that's one of the that's one of the impressive things. Like there's, I mean, this is uh, the world sport. There's been more and more attention to it, um, you know, in the Canadian media. And um, yeah, I think Spurs have been a really appealing team over the last decade. That there's, you know, new fans, uh, both old and new, that are that are everywhere. They just need something to. You know, they just probably—it's kind of like the bat signal, you know, <laughs> going out for Batman just to pull people in. Well, definitely, the cocker was definitely recognisable. We should make one and just have it <laughs> emblazoned, emblazoned over the legislator in BC and just take oh, all yeah. the jobs. <laughs> for sure. So that's great. I mean, I'm looking forward to, well, to having you back on uh, once everything is all formalised. It's going to be fantastic to kind of follow up with you later on once we get to that stage. Yeah, I think we're excited. We've kind of, you know, since starting some of the social media, uh, well, the Twitter platform, really, we've had sort of uh, messages from supportive groups in Seattle, from, you know, sort of other cities along the West Coast. And um, I think, again, that just inspires us to try and get something done um, so that we can all share, uh, you know, share the same same spot and watch your team together. I've been checking a few as well. There's quite a few people I've noticed in Victoria starting to stick their head up. So it's great. I think it's just getting the word out there. So absolutely. Fa- yeah. Fantastic work. And uh, to you and the, the rest of the team, um, continue good luck. So, oh, so now we, now, now we get on to uh, da, 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 drum roll, um, <laughs> games and predictions and, um, how are we feeling? I mean, uh, Alan last week went, I do. I always predict three-one, and that's what he went for. But I think he said Sheffield United to win three-nothing. You know, I think <laughs> I think we, we got an opportunity of quite a positive start with all with everybody being fit or being Delhi being Delhi being um suspended. Uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean that's a good question. We haven't kicked the ball in uh, in three months, really, since the Leipzig. Uh disaster i guess you know i mean it's obviously nice to have the full squad back because i think in the in the several matches leading up to the shutdown spurs really looked disjointed uh we didn't have proper striker we didn't have a midfield to connect uh our play um and so having uh, a full lineup uh reassures me a little bit uh, the first match against Man United, I have to admit, I'm always nervous every time we play Man United. It's sort of those that butterflies in the stomach type feeling. 
Um, it can either be um, pure ecstasy or it can be a complete disaster. And I remember uh, the first match we had against Man United um, after Jose took over, um, there was all kinds of anticipation and we sort of fell flat a little bit. Um, you know, I've, I have a feeling we're going to squeak that one out, even without Delhi. Um, you know, playing at home, uh, albeit in an empty stadium, um, sort of knowing the ins and outs of the stadium, having the positive vibes of having Sissoko and Kane back. Uh, hopefully that will carry us to three points. Um, thereafter, I mean, I, West Ham also makes me very nervous at times. Uh, we've had some very um, emotional roller coaster up and down matches um, against West Ham as well. But um, I'd like to think that our squad is much more superior to West Ham these days that we'll be able to eke out a win there in terms of a prediction. I don't even know, <laughs> but two, two nil, maybe let's say for that one. Yeah. And, and yeah. So I carry on. I... Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I, I remember uh, in the first, uh, first half of the season we played West Ham and I think that was a match where Delhi uh, kept that ball in on the touchline uh, and fed son and Son passed it over to Lucas for that incredible goal. And that was probably one of the, the biggest highlights of uh, the Spurs season thus far. But I remember in that match, we were uh, rampaging over West Ham for, you know, 60 minutes. And then I think our energy dropped a little bit. And West Ham um, picked two late, goal, two late goals, and it was really tight until the end. Um, I don't know. I just find West Ham, they're, they're always a... Uh, always a tricky opponent like I think we it, they're always emotional ties you sort of wonder without uh, that East London crowd coming to to you know Hart Lane whether that's going to um, deflate the game a little bit um, so that's why I feel like Spurs have that match in the bank um, and then I guess that last the third match against uh, Sheffield United that's going to be at Bramall Lane which is going to be empty and uh, Bramall Lane is always a hard place to play and I think one of the reasons that Sheffield United's been up there is because they've had the benefit of the home crowd. Um, so you sort of wonder with our squad that's now fully fit, um, that's fully operational, um, whether that uh, and not having the Bramall Lane uh, crowd, whether that's going to work in our favor. So I could see, I could see nine points, but that's just the optimism in me. Um, you know, I, I, we could also see zero points. That's just the way it works with Spurs. That, yeah. Uh, it can, it can go either way. So, you know, I'm not, uh, haven't really answered your question. I think that that's one of the realities of being a Spurs supporter is that there's always a little bit of angst, always a little bit of doubt, even matches that seem like, you know, we should be able to get three points. They can turn into banana peels very quickly. Um, and so, it's hard. That's one of the tough things about being a Spurs fan, for sure. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think there's there's lots of, you know, we don't know. I mean, uh, he, he, there's lots of scenarios I've seen, some little video snippets of, um, you know, squad, internal squad games, you know, with, um, you know, great Aurea crosses and Delhi headers and, you know, and Dombele blasting through the middle in a more advanced role, scoring goals. And you think, I'm kind of thinking, don't show that to the other team, right? We don't want to yeah. <laughs> give that away. Um, but but in the same way, it's it's interesting, as you mentioned, I think tiredness and fatigue, whether it's just you don't know how match fit anybody is on both sides. Um, for the May United game, is, is Pogba going to be available? Um, 
on what's his mental state going to be like, let alone physical on, on his first first game back if he does play against us. And then the squad strengths, I agree. You know, you're looking at, is there going to be advantage? You've got nine players you can pick from, five to go on. I mean, it becomes almost like, a, you know, American football game of chess, you know, moving players around. Uh, yeah. it, it really becomes much more of a manager's game potentially. And if you look as well, particularly after our first couple of games, then there's a gap. And then then we're back to back to back. It's thick and fast that the last seven or eight games are in 16 days or whatever. And, it's, and that's where it really comes down to, are, are we going to have injuries? You know, how things are going to run? And I think getting off to a good start is going to be prime here. It really, really is. And considering May United and Sheffield United uh, are both above us in the table. Um, yeah, that's going to be it's, really it's tight. Immense, you know, to get those to get those three games out of the way, it will it will set the platform for the rest of the season, you know. Well, whether we're interested in it or not, <laughs> but also yeah, but I also mean, I, I in, think, in respect for Champions League and uh, Europa League positions. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing with uh, the whole Man City uh, scandal, kind of you know hanging over our heads. Apparently, the CAS decision is not going to come down until July. So I think for at least these first few matches, uh, you know, Spurs players will be at the mentality. We have to get points because uh, it could be that we're in the Champions League next year. It could be that, uh, um, you know, everything is to play for, right? So um, so just try and get as many points as you can until that decision comes down. And then hopefully, uh, even if City are uh, given a state and they're allowed to stay in the Champions League, hopefully by then we'll, we'll have accumulated enough points that we can still get fourth. Uh, yeah, I mean, because uh, Man City are quite confident themselves that they um, are going to get off, if it were, or, or, or get the decision of return. Well, of course, you're always going to say that, but they, they have, they've got lots of evidence and lots of information. I'm, I'm sure that they, you know, this. <laughs> yeah, and, and UEFA has shown to be a bit uh, weak in previous incidences around this as well. I think PSG uh, also ran up against FFP. Uh, uh, you know, FFP issues and UEFA let them off the hook. Um, and so, I mean, I would hope that uh, Man City does get punished. It could help us in the transfer market as well. That's probably something you may want to discuss uh, down the road as well. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the, it's probably a topic for another podcast, but football at the very top has issues with corruption. And, um, you know, if, if Man City does get away with this, you sort of wonder, you know, What's the point of a point of anything, really? Yeah, and, and the thing is, it's interesting because you, you touch on you know the the financial side, and obviously with the COVID nineteen scenario right now, and everybody's losing you know bucket loads of money, and and with and with Tottenham going uh, to the Bank of England for the hundred and fifty million pounds um, loan, which they can't use for any sort of transfers. Um, or that sort of thing. It's it's interesting, mm-hmm. but the the one thing I was I was I think it was interesting about that was that the to qualify for that loan or it, it's you have to have investment level credit, which basically means that you've got so much you know goodwill and uh, in the club, because if you look at not just the games that we're losing in regards to revenue, I think there was the Anthony Joshua fight, Guns and Roses concerts, NF uh, NFL games. It's a prime venue now being used for, you know, other sporting events, concerts, you know, conventions, all sorts of stuff. So that the revenue stream, not only from the fans not being there, is is enormous. And uh, so how do you think that's going to impact us in regards to kind of uh, transfers and any what's your favorite 
transfer rumor that you've heard so far? <laughs> um, well, I, I think uh, the whole situation will definitely impact us. I mean, um, Spurs have always been a club that uh, likes to uh, run a tight budget. Um, so they like to have transfers out, equal transfers in. Um, and so this summer, there's really not much we're probably going to sell. I mean, Vertonghen's going to leave uh, likely on a free. Uh, I'm not sure if we've got any other big sales, uh, uh, other players going out. And even if there were players going out, even if, for instance, Spurs were to sell Harry Kane, they wouldn't be able to get valuation this summer, given that every club in the world has been affected by COVID-19 and, and the purse strings are uh, tightened much more this summer. So um, I think probably universally around most clubs, uh, probably all clubs, uh, you know, transfer budgets are going to be limited. Uh, we did see Chelsea get uh, Timo Werner, which... Uh, yeah, it's just in the final stages of going through, I think. Uh, so that might motivate other teams to get involved. But I, I just think the way Spurs have conducted their business with uh, this loan that you've mentioned and with the way um, with the stadium payments and things, I, I don't expect to see much in the way of transfers. And if we do see transfers, it will probably be players that will come uh, for free um, or through swap deals, potentially. Um in terms of uh, transfer rumors, you know, I, I, I try not to pay attention to transfer rumors too much because there's so much out there. But I think, the one, the, I think the one player that I would like at Spurs uh, that has been linked uh, for the last year or so is uh, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg at uh, Southampton. And uh, I remember um, reading, uh, there was a book that came out uh, around uh, Pep Guardiola's time at Bayern Munich uh, called Pep Confidential. And one of the young players in that Bayern squad was Hoiberg. And I think Guardiola really valued him as a player. He sort of saw uh, similar qualities uh, to himself uh, as a young defensive uh, central midfielder. Um, and I think at Southampton, he, he probably hasn't reached the heights that were sort of expected of him at Bayern Munich. But I think at Southampton, he's really, um, you know, really one of their leaders. He's, um, he's a great passer. He's good at destroying attacks as well. And I think if you look at one of the weaknesses in our Spurs squad right now, really ever since uh, Dembele, uh, Musa Dembele um, was in decline and since Victor Wanyama uh, sort of was beyond his peak, I think that's really where we've struggled is um, having some control in that position. Um, so I don't know whether Hoiberg is uh, the type of player that sort of fits the Dembele or uh, Wanyama role, but I, that's the type of position that I'd like to solidify at. Um, I think another position we could solidify at is in our fullback positions. Um, I think when you watch Bayern Munich, for instance, or Liverpool, like the modern game is played um, along both flanks and having fullbacks that can support your attack. I think that's sort of the trend in terms of where football is going. And um, I think one of the reasons why Spurs were so successful uh, under Pochettino, especially in the 2016 to 2018 timeframe was we had some of the best fullbacks in the world in terms of undoubtedly, uh, undoubtedly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, you know, you can say what you want about Danny Rose Trippier or, uh, you know, Kyle Walker even, but they were providing good service. Um, and they sort of gave Spurs that uh, little bit of incisiveness that uh, we've been lacking really over the last uh, 18 months or so. So I, I'm not sure what player is available that can sort of fulfill that role. I think one player, um, 
at Norwich was Max Ahrens that uh, I've kind of enjoyed playing or enjoyed watching while he's played against us. He's uh, he's quick. He's dynamic. He uh, flies up and down the flanks. He's, you know, not nothing like Alfonso Davies or uh, any of the Liverpool fullbacks, but I think uh, it'd be an interesting prospect to have. Um, Cessignon might develop into something like that. And we have done business, I guess, over the last couple windows, and we haven't seen the best of those players come out yet. No, and I think I agree with you. So. It's 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 one of those things where if you're looking at when you when you look at a lot of the social media right now, and people are asking like, who who would your ideal back four be to start? And they're all going, you know, Toby Sanchez and Tanganga and Davies, because you've mm-hmm. got the speedy speedier winger, speedier outsides, uh, and a solid middle, you know. And um, you know, I agree that I think there's. Obviously, contract negotiations with Jan Vertonghen. I don't think they're going to give him a two years that he wants. So, That's right. And it's interesting as well. I've heard everything from, you know, Coutinho on a free with a swap deal for some of our defenders. You know, I think the funniest one was the Cavalli one I mentioned last week with him being on a free. Zuma, we've heard about this week and, and yeah. us and Everton fighting over him. And I'm not sure he's the right fit for us. Uh, and it's, so there's lots of different players. Fraser, it, it's interesting to see when we hear all this stuff and speculate how things are going to shake down. But I agree with you. I think it's going to be a wheeler and dealer. We're going to play as come and go, but it's going to be, you know, however much we get for somebody leaving is what we're going to pay for somebody coming in. Yeah, that's what it seems like. And, uh, you know, the, the Zuma example is a good one because I think Mourinho has uh, a litany of players at all of his former clubs that will probably be linked with over the next few months. Um, and uh, probably a lot of them are going to be players on their last legs or players that, um, you know, don't have really much to give. Um, but they could be some interesting short-term options. I think, um, you know, I, I actually like that Cavani suggestion. I don't know whether he would uh, want to kind of come in and sort of sit behind uh, or sit on the bench behind Harry Kane. But uh, I think that type of player is exactly what we could use. You know, someone like a Lorente that... Uh, you know, uh, is sort of on his last legs, but that can still come in and put in a, a bit of a shift when you need him. Um, but that would be a, a nice acquisition. I agree. But the thing is, Mourinho in the past, he, he comes and wins things, and he wins things by blending experience. And those guys who have maybe got one or two years left, but give their best last one or two years to the club. And that's often, but it's often the same way why, unless there's a massive amount of investment and money behind it, that you can't, maintain that success because you've got to continue to replace those players who are all towards the, you know, the last knockings of their careers to to continue success on an ongoing basis. So you might find as well, like obviously took a Willian coming in on a free yeah. uh, with his high wages, you know, and just say, let's go and grab all these players that for a season could push us over the line. I'm sure we'd all, you know, cry with joy winning a major trophy. Uh, but then you think, well, what's the aftermath of that? You know, it's, it's how's that, how's that, fiscally responsible how's that manageable going forward if all of a sudden the yeah. following year they all leave <laughs> yeah and it definitely table. i mean that was the whole interesting thing with the Mourinho appointment because it seems sort of counter to how uh daniel levy usually does his business right um and i know there's some discussion about bringing in uh, uh i think it's jorge campo as a sporting director potentially um, who's had links with, or who who is very close with Jose Mourinho. He's at Lille right now, was at Monaco before. Um, there's been some discussion about whether Spurs would want to bring him in as a sporting director. But, you know, it, it sort of runs opposite to what we know of Daniel Levy in terms of uh, the type of business that he likes to do. So, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I still think Daniel Levy is in charge. Um, 
I think over the last two decades almost, we've gotten a good idea in terms of how he operates. And I sort of think you're right, probably those, um, you know, he's going to, He's probably not going to spend all that much. He might bring in uh, a few players here and there. I think he'll still want to try and bring in some young players um, and then hope they pan out. And I think, you know, there's players that we haven't really seen the best out of yet. Like Cessignon in the first half has been uh, largely injured. And as he's come in, he's mostly come off off the bench. Uh, Jack Clark is at Leeds. I think it'll be interesting to see uh, when they bring him next year. Uh, We haven't really seen the best of Bergvine or... uh, Judson yet I think both both of those players are interesting in what they've provided thus far but you know we've only seen sort of a, a sampling so um, you know whether we're going to be satisfied doing that or whether we need to pick something else up I, I don't know yeah and I think with the subs thing as well with the the five subs you're going to get a lot of these who you would say you know squad players who may not get a run potentially getting you know, 40, 50 minutes, 60 minute games, you know, and, and really being able to, you know, because uh, the, the, basically the, it's going to be a 16 person game, not an 11 person game. Yeah, that's right. And you're really going to have the ability to then let those, you know, extended squad players, those sub players who would normally get a few minutes on the field to bed in and then really start to show what they've got. But then again, that's the same for everybody. It's not just us. Yeah. So well, it might give Mourinho more of a leash to maybe try Troy Parrott or uh, to bring in Oliver Skip. I mean, I think Skip's had a few, uh, you know, I'm not sure. Skip hasn't really had much uh, play, but Troy Parrott uh, has not had any um, action at all. And this might give him an opportunity uh, to actually get some Premier League minutes and to sort of see what... Uh, see what he's able to do so it could yeah. be it could be a blessing in disguise right for, uh, and i think as well if there's anybody used to playing in empty stadiums it's troy parrot because he's been playing <laughs> for the reserves and the under 23s and so on for for quite some time so that could be an advantage and I, and I agree if you're looking at a sub towards the end of the game particularly with you know kane coming back to um obviously luckily full strength and full health but you're not going to throw him on for 90 minutes um yeah. and you know, luckily, uh, San is back fully fit as well. But that's a great, and particularly as he's an unknown. You know, if you've got, if you're throwing him on, particularly at this last part of the season, when nobody's, they know he's a good player, but nobody's really had eyeballs on him. Nobody's really seen him, and how he's going to act. I mean, the guy's that's already right. in it, already international for his country, uh, so they, they they know he has the strength. So we'll we'll see how that how that falls. It's I, interesting I think, to see how it will run uh, for the next few minutes. Yeah, well, I think um, I think that. You know, just you're mentioning a Troy Parrot and how he's going to come onto the pitch. I think that that gives me a lot of excitement. You know, we're going to see a lot of young players, maybe that for every club, really, that we haven't had a chance to see before um, that are probably going to get some minutes that they otherwise would not have received. And it's going to kind of add that extra wrinkle to the to the Premier League that uh, that will be a lot of fun. I think it will make the, um, the shop window for a lot of these players as well. Uh, it will be interesting. It will make, I'm sure players will come out of this that we haven't really seen in some of these clubs in the last nine, you know, nine, 10 games for some t- come clubs. Yeah, we'll be, all of a sudden we'll go, Hey, why, <laughs> you know, he could be in a spur shirt next year that we wouldn't even consider because he's given, you know, 50, 60 minutes a game over nine, 10 games. And you get a really chance to have a look at him. So. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of uh, like the, you know, like in the world cup uh, or European tournaments where, um, you know, a young player comes on and the whole world goes, um, 
agog for them really because they've had a few good games and then in that off season a big club comes out and splashes money for them and there's a lot of hype and uh, it's kind of like this is the extended uh, version of that where we get to see some young players potentially come out and make an impression and you know there'll be a lot of press i'm sure around them and there's, there's, those rarely work though as we all know <laughs> as, as we know too well it's Spurs, i guess but <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't want to go through the list. There's plenty, but uh, anyway, Postiga, one of the one yeah, well, he's the first one that comes to mind, <laughs> uh, particularly when he goes off after joining us and has success against us, and you know, and for his country against England, and yeah, it's 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 um, uh, yeah, enough said. <laughs> <laughs> on that on that note, I'd just like to thank you, Jenny, for being my guest today and all the best with uh, Victoria Spurs. And uh, again, looking forward to having you back on once we get everything formalized. Uh, and so thank you. Well, thank you, Bill. I, and I have to say, it, I think with the service uh, that you're putting out here for Spurs supporters across Canada is terrific. I think we all have stories to tell. And um the platform uh, is fantastic to sort of hear those stories. And um, I think the work that um, you guys are doing to try and help promote Spurs groups across Canada to develop is quite admirable and uh, tip of the cap to you. And I think we look forward to uh, being on platforms like this again and, in, and uh, joining you guys at, uh, at pubs across the country. And hopefully when other Spurs supporters want to come to Victoria, we'll have a place of our own to call. Oh, I look for I look forward to it. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, fantastic. Just, no problem. Just just to just to finish up uh, how to contact us, you can drop us an email. We've had some great messages and emails. In fact, I've got a number of potential guests lined up because of direct email requests. Uh, you can get us at truenorthpod at gmail.com. That's T-R-U-E-N-O-R-F. Uh, pod at gmail.com. So if you're interested in any stories, uh, in fact the one about Eric, I'm gonna put in the little uh, epilogue at the end uh, rather than fill it up here uh, and uh, we look forward to uh, having as many people across Canada on the call uh, upcoming uh, episodes uh, next week I don't have anybody right now so it might be a solo acapella from me a little brief one as we run up but we do have um, lined up uh, Sean from um, Toronto Spurs that will be coming on just after the West Ham game so we'll have the first two games to talk about actual games and actual six points that we've won and and looking at champions league and all those fantastic things we hope to be talking about so again thanks for joining us uh, look forward to uh, the next few episodes coming up uh, once again thanks to jd and um, come on you spurs that was a podcast by true north productions there we have it uh, an almost perfectly imperfect podcast uh, thanks for listening and just adding on to what JD mentioned, I said I'd reference it afterwards in our, uh, in our customary epilogue. Uh, he mentioned uh, a guy called Eric, who he uh, he met in Toronto, who was it from Ottawa at the time, is now he's in Vancouver. Eric went to the Champions League final without a ticket just to soak up the atmosphere, and so did a buddy of mine, did the same thing, uh, no ticket in hand. And uh, Eric had his uh, Vancouver scarf and flag with him, and my buddy from the UK went up to him, do you know Bill? And I got sent this fantastic photograph from two people who'd never met before, who both knew me, um, and sent me the photograph from Madrid. It was really, really fantastic. And uh, it just shows you what a small world everything is and how fantastic the Spurs fan base is. Thanks again. That's it. See episode four. Come on, you Spurs.